This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the latest Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock. Delighted to be joined by two of our regular panellists, Joe Thomas and Gad Buckland. Uh, big week uh, on and off the field, potentially, for Everton. This week, obviously, on the field, Luton Town come to Goodison on Saturday for that FA Cup fourth round clash. Off it, if uh, the gossip columns are to be believed, there may be some, if not transfer movement, there's certainly transfer speculation regarding players in Everton's squad at the moment, so we'll talk about that. And obviously, it won't be Everton without talking about some of the off-the-field issues at the moment. We'll be trying to catch up with Joe, particularly about the latest in uh, the, the appeal against the 10-point deduction and obviously the new charge from the Premier League over breaching profits and sustainability rules. But let, let's start with transfers. It would be nice to be talking about players Everton are potentially going to sign. But there was there was a big line over the weekend from Fabrizio Romano. I think he's got 19.4 million followers. So let's <laughs> kind of treat what he tweets. <laughs> it's pretty seriously. And we'll start with you, Joe. It, it was to do with Abdelai Decore, uh, you know, and that Stephen Gerrard, manager of Al Etifak, I believe that's how we pronounce their name, the Saudi Pro League strugglers. Uh, they've just lost Jordan Henderson to Ajax and they're looking potentially the same to replace him with Abdelai Decore. Came out of the blue this one, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. I mean, just on your point there, there are a lot of people with very, very big social media following, so I wouldn't trust a single word that they say. I'm not saying that. Absolutely not a point made it, made it here. But yeah, the reality is that there are some clubs and some leagues and some organisations that like to kind of dabble within the... Yeah, the celebrity of, of football and football transfer and things like that, and and obviously, see, it's felt from the beginning that the Saudi Arabia you know, expansion has tapped into that market to try and you know drum up its own support, its own kind of razzmatazz and things like that. So, I mean, I on this, I, I think there probably is a bit of truth. I think that um, understanding is obviously artifact. You say strugglers, yeah, mid-table are about, yeah, I think they're, they're eighth in the league. No, no danger of relegation. But when you think of some of the players that they've signed, Damari Gray being one of them, they haven't exactly torn up the Saudi Pro League. I think they're about 28 points behind leaders Al Halal, uh, who are another team that have benefited from from the, you know, the the lavish funds that have been sent those clubs' way. Obviously, they have a problem in the fact that John Henderson's gone and they want to replace him. Uh, you know, John Henderson, despite clearly things not working out, they were starting in their midfield every game and now they have a hole to fill. Um, I'm a bit surprised that Decorey's come up in the sense that, you know, well, I think that obviously he's a very good player and he's very important to us and probably it's we shouldn't be surprised that clubs are interested in him given the impact. I mean, there probably hasn't hasn't been very many more effective attacking midfielders mm-hmm. in the Premier League in the 12 months since yeah. Dijk took over and he came out from the cold after being frozen out by Lampard. You know, I mean, the goals and not just the amount of goals, but the importance of them. I mean, he's written his name into Everton folklore, hasn't he? Like, you know, the, his performance against Brighton in the 5-1 and then obviously scoring that goal against Bournemouth in the last eight of the season. They are historic moments, albeit the, you know, for the wrong reasons for Everton Football Club, but they're ones that you know, we will all remember for a very, very, very long time. So, um, But I'm still a bit surprised to, to see them link with him. I think they're looking, they're casting a net wide. I think they, you know, they have a big list. I think Decore is probably on there. And we'll have to wait and see, really, because it's one of those ones, you know, 
my understanding from Evan is that they'd be determined to keep him. They'd, they'd try and do their best to fight off interest, um, which, of course, they're going to do because of how important he is. We've seen how keenly he was missed over the festive period, and obviously it's a concern that you know, he's done a hamstring again, and we don't know how long that's going to keep him out for. But Degore is probably the most important player to Everton at this present moment of time. I think... He's the cog that Deitch's system completely falls apart without. Previously, we'd have said Dominic Calvert-Loon as well, and Dominic Calvert-Loon is important, but Beto has enough of the same attributes to kind of work as a as a backup there. There is no backup for Decore. Gomez has done all right since he's come back in, but you couldn't put your faith in him for the rest of the season, bearing in mind his injury track records and the lack of games he's consistently played in the Premier League over recent times. This could be a really interesting one because we know that the Saudi clubs... If they they have the money, if they really want to play it, to probably mm. go to numbers that Everton can turn down, and Everton will have a decision to make. Normally, you probably look at you know Decorey as important he is, thirty one years old. Um, you know, got about eighteen months left because obviously he signed another new contract last season. Clubs we know is in financial constraints. You think you'd welcome money for a thirty one year old who? Did one hamstring earlier, you know, early uh, in the month, last well, last month, there's another hamstring this month, and there's a bit of uncertainty over. But they can't afford him. And I think that bearing in mind that we don't know what is going to come down the line in terms of points deductions, appeals, and potentially further punishment, I think we have to plan on the basis that you know, in a relegation battle this season, anything else is a bonus. Uh, and if that's the case, then Decorey is probably one of those players where you go. It's not his market value that you're looking at. It's the value of Evans staying in the Premier League because he is that influential in this setup. Um, and as a result of that, like you think that they'd have to be big numbers for, for Evans to turn the head, um, or for the club's current financial situation to be perhaps, you know, really really bad. And you know, there are, we we know it's not great, but. Yeah, there there is still a little bit of uncertainty as to how bad it is, but I think that if I'm in a scenario where Decore goes this this window, then I think it would have us all very very worried. I think about what the short term future of the club is as well. Hmm. Is that going dry for you, Gav? Because obviously Joe set out the situation there, and another club with different financial circumstances yeah. may look at it even though he's obviously clearly still an influential player a 31 year old who's got 18 months left on his contract another club with different circumstances may look at this and if they did get a bid it's all speculation at the moment may have to consider it given given his age given his contract situation but is it that that couldn't drive for Everton which can afford to lose him this January there's an argument to say we can't afford to keep him as well isn't there Uh, we were talking on last Monday about you know, this impasse over the ownership, impasse over the ownership, isn't it? It's not helping, isn't it, really? Um, where we've had triple seven or whatever you call them these days, you know, effectively given loans to the club in the case that the club has got a shortage of cash. And that's, a, and that's been the case for a while. I'm speaking about that last summer, when we were talking about our transfer activity last summer or, or the lack of it. And therefore, when somebody comes in for decor, I, I don't think it, the issue before us is it'd be good to move them on for profit and sustainability reasons. That's obviously, you know, a consideration. It's getting the hard cash into the business, isn't it, really? And that's what we need at the moment for lots of reasons that we won't go into, but we know to fund to form, form brand, Bramley Moore, we've still got quite a big wage bill. And um, on that basis, that that's that's the business sense for selling them. Uh, it makes no, absolutely no sense to sell them from a footballing perspective. Yeah. 
because he's he's had. I mean, and and, and Joe's saying it's it, it's not a question of replacing them, is it really? Because you've got because we've got a short, small squad, we've got to replace them from somewhere within the team. So it's all right, me very well saying I like I like Jack Harrison playing yeah. number ten. That leaves a vacancy on the right right hand side of the of the attack that we've got to fill by who you know. So we're we're, 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 we're plugging holes um, at the moment in terms of the, the first team. So. And he is he is irreplaceable because of his, you know, of his goal scoring record. I think that stat of the last twelve months is attacking midfield. He's got one of the best returns in the, in the Premier League, hasn't it? The importance of his goals, the team just looks better, balanced when he plays. So he, he has to stay from a football perspective. Um, but there's other considerations at the moment. The, the other thing that this raises, of course, is whose decision would it be to sell? Yeah. Who's making the decision here about the core? About anything in the January transfer window, is it the board? Well, who's on the board? It's an interim board. Seven, 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 the sniffing round. Obviously, they, they want to take us over. Do they have input? This is just a Thelwell and Dice decision, or does somebody else we we are not aware of? And then that that's the other the other thing here is, and we've got different parts of the business pulling in different directions. You know, from a uh, a government's perspective, which which doesn't help. Um, and it'll just be it'll just be interesting to see how that play plays out. Do I think yeah, they might not want to go mighty for for all that? Well, I think yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. probably a couple of points to raise. One, yeah, there'd be no formal bid at the yeah. weekend. Like I think that, um, I think you know, Alatifaka are looking at him as one of many. But then yeah, there had there been no concrete bid as of. I mean, last I spoke was probably Saturday night, so Saturday afternoon. Yeah, there there'd been no, no no concrete bids, and we don't know whether one will materialise. They might move on to other targets. Another thing is, and um, can say this with, with confidence, is Decore genuinely loves Everton. Mm-hmm. You know, he's wanted to. He spent a lot of his time before Deitch come in, desperate to do whatever it took to get his stay at Everton extended. Now, obviously, yeah, there are personal reasons there. He's well remunerated for what he does and, you know, Everton are a big club that you'd obviously want to stay at if you if, if you could, um, particularly given, you know, he's the other side of 30. But, you know, I remember sitting down with him in, in Washington, D.C., the, the, the Frank Lampard summer and, and just kind of being a little bit blown away by just how passionately he spoke about the club and he wanted to stay there. And since then, I've spoken to him again, and in happier times, as he's you know, she's had two contract extensions last season, and he was absolutely over the moon. I remember speaking to him after the Brighton game, that after the five one, I spoke to him at the, the Amex um, in the aftermath of that game, and again, there's still a bit of uncertainty over his contract, and you know, I think that one of the things, one of the many reasons he was being so pleased with his performance was it it took him to a point where I thought ex- extending his contract became a a necessity really from an Everton point of view we've done so much for the for the club so I think there is goodwill there from Decore towards the club um, and I don't I, like I genuinely don't think there are empty words um, and previously you know I think at the time of the second contract and he, you know, he, he's told me this that he, he likes the idea of finishing his career in England now obviously those things could be tested the decision might be taken out of his hands um, and you know with his rejuvenation of his career um, compared to where it was this time 12 months ago certainly you know he might have become more ambitious and there are some players who might see Saudi as uh, an ambition there are lots of others that won't you know we you know those arguments are well rehearsed as to where they stand within the football scheme but you know I think that um 
you know, whether or not he wants to would be an active question. It certainly wouldn't be a definite yes from that respect. Uh, you know, I think he just does really, really like Evan. I think in terms of, it's a, it's a good question about who's making the decisions. And I think that probably the last, you know, what we are about nine days of the transfer window now, we'll probably, the decision, who has the final say will be dependent on the finances of the club, I think. And what we're going to see now is, you know, we know that the club is obviously taking money month by month from 777 to fund its operations and stadium and things like that. The, we know from what Richard Master said and the amount of time it's taken, it's clearly, if not complications, the 777 takeover hasn't been straightforward and doesn't look like it mm. is straightforward at this stage. So one of the things that the club is going to have to countenance is how likely is it that the whole thing falls through? And if there is a chance of the whole thing falling through, and obviously these are conversations that you think surely would have taken place and be taken place, you would hope would be taking place behind closed doors, would 777 continue to fund it, albeit as a you know as a lending partner yeah. as opposed to someone that's coming in? Because whatever the the outcome of the takeover, 777 aren't going away. You know, Everton are going to be in a lot of debt to them. Would they help carry on with the expenditure whilst Everton looked for a, a new alternative? And if the answer to that is no then these last nine days are the last opportunity for Everton to bring in money externally to help plug any gaps between now and the summer. So that if they do think, if there is a fear that there might be a shortfall in, in, in how much money they're bringing in, how much is going out, the easiest way to address that is by selling players some money to bring in to help pay those expenses. And yeah. that is something that they're going to have to countenance. And I think that that's probably why Look, it's been, you know, Kevin Fowler came out and said at the beginning of the month, albeit for different reasons, it was likely to be quiet. He was talking about incomings. Um, but it has been so far, and it may well be, but I think there is still potential for this to end up being, you know, the reality is, I wrote this this morning, transfer market, ever only have so much control over it. You know, half of what goes on is affected by the market and what other clubs do. And, you know, Everton do have some some very, very good players at very different stages in their career. Where if you look at the emerging talents of Brantwaite and Anana, who are clearly and you know, wanted by you know, clubs that compete at the very top levels, uh, whether they can afford them for their own reasons at this stage is, is you know, I don't know. But obviously, they might sniff around thinking that there is an opportunity for a bargain because Everton might have to do a deal. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have players like Decore, who are, again, very, very important to Everton. You look at what he's done over the 12 months against someone like Alata, that might be they can have a go when, like I said, from a football perspective, it would be, you know, a kamikaze move to allow Decore to go. Yeah. But that's whether or not it's... that That is dependent on football being the... the the you know the part of this that dictates the strategy and if it's football you think that should foul say no if it's finances then well it probably comes from above them and says if a if and it's a big if but if a big big comes in or a big bid in the context of the and where he is in his career then it might have to be considered is there is there a case here said so we talk about Dyson Thowell together don't we yeah is there a case where there's a scenario not just on the uh, core on other players that Thowell says he should go with that. He says he doesn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, 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 you know, when you listen to the podcast and stuff and, you know, you hear the, the interviews, you know, the work as a team, and I think it's been, I think they work well. But ultimately, that was a director of football, isn't he? Dice is the manager. Um, on certain things, he might be pointing in completely different directions, mightn't he? 
Darman might want the money for the football business. Place might want the money for the, the football inside of a, of a Saturday afternoon or a, or a Sunday afternoon. And that that would be an interesting conversation, wouldn't it, really? If, if we just broke it down to, to football. I, I also think, picking up with Joe's point, I know we're going to talk about all the other stuff at the end, but not having heard the results of the appeal in terms of some of our decision-making at transfer window is also important, isn't it? I know there's another one there which we need to part, but say if Everton knew now the... the, the, the the uh, punishment is not 10 points, it's actually, we've looked at it again, actually, she's it's harshly, blah, 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 it's five points. Yeah. We might look at any footballing decision different because we'll be, what, six or seven points ahead of the relegation zone then, whatever. That might that might change. So there's 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 lots of non-footballing things, isn't there, around the club at the moment that are unclear and if the, the likelihood is not going to be clear by the end of January and that's going to, you know, m- Put, put a, a lot of grey area around our transfer activity, you know, more, more so around sales. And I think that's unsatisfactory to a degree. We can't do anything about the ownership, but, you know, the appeal side of it. You know, if you're going to do two two in a season, and I'll talk about the season, you know, make sure you, you the first one's done, where the club can do something about it in the, in, in the season. And I think this is a this is a case, isn't it, where the, the, the timetable, it doesn't help us. And um, it'll just be interesting to, to see how this one, Plays out from a perspective. Yeah, just, in other words, I don't want them to go. No, please stay. Just, you know? just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. just to finish on that, just in relation to Fowler and Deitch, I'm sure they have disagreements and yeah. things like that. But I imagine on something like the Corey and and this issue, they would be aligned because if there's a scenario in which the Corey goes, it can only be for financial reasons, which would mean that the money isn't going to get reinvested back into Farewell to be yeah. able to do anything with because. I just can't countenance a scenario where anyone at the club from the football operation would think that's a good idea because it doesn't matter how much money you get for the core, eh? whether you you know, whether you get five million or twenty five million for it. Yeah. The reality is, even in the club that they're the situation that they're in, bringing in a replacement that can do the same job, which is quite a unique job within the Deitch setup, they just ain't going to find that. This in in with with a week to go mm-hmm. in the transfer window, are they? Yeah. yeah. So it'd be a dif- different conversation if, say, a Newcastle came in for Amadou and Anna in the, the last 10 days. Again, this is maybe me adding two and two together and getting five, but there's reports that Bayern Munich are going to come in for Kieran Trippier, and this seems to suggest that he'd quite like to, to make the move, and why wouldn't you to go, to go and join up with Harry Kane over there? They've got ready-made replacements in Liberamento. They're really struggling in midfield. Mm-hmm. I think there's talk about Joe Linton not signing a new contract. He's got an injury. Is this, again, I'm speculating here, but given what you were both talking about earlier in terms of cash into the business, you're probably looking 50 million plus, I'd imagine, from mm-hmm. Anana. If if that, that was to, to, to happen in the next 10 days, very similar to what happened last year with Newcastle and Gordon, to me that's a different question for, for the Everson kind of interim board and, and Deitch and Pelmo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think that to an extent, I mean, I think the the squad is so small, and Evans' current position is so precarious that the loss of any one of the twelve, thirteen, maybe fourteen players that Deitch has a degree of trust in would be significant and has to be you know taken very, very seriously. I think that there's a slight difference with between a handful of players like Decorey and with say someone like. Yeah, Anana and with both Anana and Brantwaite, 
one, the amounts of money would be hugely significant. It's the type of thing that could probably fund any shortfall for, for months on end. Or, you know, if things work out all right, you know, perhaps create the foundation for a reasonable amount of money to be able to spend in in the summer. Um, yeah, the the figures might be so high that they might be able to put some of that back into the, the football squad. There might be someone they, could, they might be able to pay a loan fee or something like that and bring someone in. Um, I think you know it's interesting with Newcastle because they're one of the teams that seem to be having a go at the profit and sustainability reasons for different reasons to ever at the minute. It's something that's holding them back. I don't think they really are holding them back. They just they, they're ahead of where they want expected to be and they're trying to carry on that that rapid trajectory, aren't they? There should be a degree of patience to let everything bed in. I mean, it's interesting that I think um, Miguel Almiron is, is being linked to a Saudi Arabian club today. And, you know, there are all those question marks over the Saudi Arabian ownership and those transfers. And is that going to be a way around it? Are they going to be able to do deals with clubs over there to maybe create a scenario where they have the leeway to then be able to spend big on a player they think will make a difference this season? I mean, that's a question that that is an active one. I think with Anana, and I think there's there's a degree just with Branthwaite, and it, I know this will be absolutely anathema to, to many listeners. But as important as they are to the to the current setup, the, um, I think there's probably a little bit more give within the squad to replace mm-hmm. them. Dyche plays at midfield three. You know he's got four options for that. He's got Garner, he's got Anana, he's got Decore, and he's got Gay. Arguably, he's got five now. If Gomez can come in and play a thing, so there's you know, there's four probably you'd say four and a half players for mm. three options there. And I think that you could as, as good. And I think Anada is very good, um, and I think he will be a very very good player. And I think he is important to this side. I actually think from a playing perspective, and you could see this from the that when Everton started that really good run and we're in the middle of it, maybe more so from middle of November into December, and Arna wasn't playing because he was injured. I think that they could probably afford to lose Anana and they could afford to lose Sadori. And I think you can make a similar argument with Brantway in the sense that, look, I think there's a drop-off to Michael Keane, but I think Dice has a lot of faith in Michael Keane. He did a good job when he came in against Burnley. Now, look, we know that... Michael Keane probably doesn't start in the first choice centre back pairing and, and didn't last season either. And and again, like I think there's a drop off because the performance of Tarkovsky and Bradford has been so high. But again, I think there's a ch- there's a, there's a there's a more of a chance of being able to re- replace him and see less of a drop off with those two than it perhaps is with someone like Decore. Mm. And when you add in the amount of money that they're likely to, to attract if somebody was to come into him, even if someone gets a bargain out of Everton. We're still talking tens and tens of millions of pounds. Amadou Inanna, you know, there's about 35 million or so the deal that brought him over to um, Everton and their sell-on fees and all sorts that would, would take a chunk out of what Everton would get. You know, I think the starting point really is going to be 60, 70 million at least. I mean, the starting point, they, they benchmarked him with the Caicedo deal, which was 115 million. So, Evan, the starting point is probably going to be 100 million. And, you know, Newcastle, if they were to come in, will probably be somewhere like 50 and they'll end up somewhere in between. And where they are and where that compromise lies will depend on probably how desperately Evan need the money. But I think there is a potential for something like that. 
Now, it's it's been a very, very quiet window so far. There are clearly a lot of British clubs that are worried, English clubs that are worried about profit and sustainability, Arsenal being one of them, which is why they haven't moved for Anana yet. And it may well be that that type of deal is just too much for anyone to do in January. So uh, there'd still be a little bit of... I, I'm not surprised that there's interest and I wouldn't be surprised if I think there'll be a lot of speculation around some of these players over the next 10 days. But I think that a lot, you know, any club would have to do a lot of work to get either of those deals over the line, especially given the fact of how important they are to Everton. But I think if there is going to be any intrigue in the window, those are the kind of... That's the context in which we'd unfold the other most likely kind of, I think, flashpoint over the coming... 10 days or so is probably Dan Juma. I think that's the big question, really. That's the one where we're really going to have to kind of like keep an, keep keep our eyes on and see what, how that unfolds. Come to Dan Juma in a moment. Just had a couple of questions because obviously we're, we're live on YouTube and on, on Facebook and Leafy Outlook Design on YouTube has said it's not only the risk of losing to Corey, but the risk that we will not replace him for a player so that fits in Deitch's plan and style of play. I think we've addressed that, haven't we? That's the big risk. Isn't this team has one way of playing and it only works with... Yeah, there are a handful of players that prop it up and, and Decore is one of the most important. He kind of almost has two roles within that midfield, doesn't he? Because his energy is just so boundless, the way he covers ground and, you know, I mean, the goals that he's scored. I mean, he's he's emerged as probably an unlikely hero, but I don't think that his importance outside can be understated. I don't think he... It's it's almost so unusual, the role that he fills within that inside. I don't think it could be replicated. Yeah, I mean, that type of player is unusual full stop, not only with Everton, but those, those type of players who are... Not a midfielder, but they're not a striker, mm. and are therefore very difficult to pick up and play against. Uh, you know, they don't grow on trees, do they? No. You know, and um, you're not going to be able to go to a shelf and pick one off. Consequently, so from from Evans' perspective, definitely can't lose him for that for the for what he's done so far, and also because you, there's there's very few players like that in in the market anyway. Even if we did have the money, to be fair. Sam Stanley, Sam Stanley, I should say, has also been uh, commenting on YouTube and he's saying, struggling to, to find a way out of this mess. We either sell our best players and get weaker on the pitch or we keep them, which leaves us on the brink of bankruptcy. Hopefully it, it never goes that far, but it is, it's just like, it, it's just a bit of a mess, isn't it, really? That, you know, there's so many issues, obviously, with the appeal against the points deduction, the second charge. Not really having a you know a proper board at the moment, uh, you know the, the takeover. It, it it just does feel like at some stage, Gav, that unless this takeover comes through and there is an influx of cash into the business, that eventually, even if it's not January, good players will have to leave. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, for but well, it depends. If you think about it, if we did get taken over, and um, there's a, there's a possibility that actually in the summer, because we lose, I don't talk about profit and sustainability, but we lose the, all the COVID years this year. So we're on three years rolling, three years since COVID. So there's a possibility that we may be better in better shape. But what doesn't help is we don't really know what the, get boring here again, aren't they? The, the 22 23 accounts look like. No. So it may be actually that, you know, once all that's played through, and once you look at this year, that actually. We may be in a better better shape in the summer, and Joe, you've spoken before about these people come up the 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 the, the wage bill and stuff like that. So it may be in the summer if we have been taken over, um, that may not be the case. 
Um, but we don't know that because we don't know what last year's accounts do. But I think the the, the thrust of the, uh, the question is right, isn't it? The, the number of movable parts here in, in, in terms of our decision making is infinite, isn't it? Really? And we've just spoken about we've just spoken about that for twenty minutes, haven't we? You know, from the playing side, from the, the financial side, from the profit sustainability and the cash side of the business, which are two completely different things. The the board issue, the takeover issue. There's 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 so many things that go into a decision here about selling a player. It's no longer and it hasn't been for a while, has it been? It's no longer been is it a fo- football and decision? We can, you know, the football decision here is to sell this player or not. That those days have long gone with having that, and, and that's been the case for two or three years now. Um, and that's right, it's, it's right. Um, but ultimately, any decision being take can't harm the the, the the future of the club as a going concern business wise, can it really? And um, I think there will maybe some decisions that need to be taken before the end of the window where we've got to, to keep the club going as a going concern. We may have to take. I think the Anana ones are uh, an incestant one. The Anana one's a classic one. It doesn't make sense from a profit sustainability issue because of because of the way that works. But from a cash side of the issue, if somebody could give us seventy million quid as a business, you'd have that. Mm. You know, pro, um, and that that is a that's an incestant one. There's also the more worrying thing here is, isn't it? And and I know this will be what's whatever it's left to the to the, 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 the transfer window finishes, is clubs know all this, isn't it? And we end up selling one of our assets for less than their market value because clubs know we need the cash. Well, that's it, and it? then that, that, that's where we are in a vulnerable position as well. Like, and it, then that's, that's worrying. If you're, I think we're in a situation now where barring serious injury, it's pretty clear that Amadou Anana and Jack Renfrey are on really positive trajectories. There are lots of clubs that may like them now that know that they will want them in the future. And if they know that they'll want them in the future and they see that Everton are particularly vulnerable right now, it makes sense that now's the yeah. time to go for them. Because there is a, you know, and there are huge question marks over 777 as well. I'm not even saying that's necessarily the best outcome. And this, but there is a pro, there's probably, there is perhaps with all the different. Um, ways in which this can unfold. One of them is that Everton end up actually in a relatively stable position in the summer, mm. and that might then mean that all of a sudden they can hold their, you know, they they can hold out for market value for someone like Brownfway and Onana, and then all of a sudden, if Arsenal or Newcastle, you know, someone wants to come in for either of them, Everton can say, well, we're not going to budge unless it's under million. Whereas now, and again, you know, we don't know the situation because we don't know the, the the last set of accounts that went to. The Premier League and the, the result, result of the second charge, but you know, the, those are the you know, right right now. Obviously, Everton being a far more could be in a far more vulnerable position, and therefore couldn't hold out for anywhere near as much money, depending on on what those accounts mm-hmm. show. And I think that's another one of the moving parts. One of the other moving parts is we we don't because of the way in which the case has been handled by the Premier League. We don't we can't really second guess how they're interpreting the second accounts. Mm-hmm. Like I can't. I don't know everything from and yeah, where um, you know the listener kind of makes a good point. I kind of wrote about this at, at the weekend. I think from our perspective, from the outside looking in, it feels like look, Everton are in this situation; it's their own fault. Like Everton are responsible for being in this situation. I'm not saying the Premier League have handled this case well, but Everton are in a position where they're being you know prosecuted and, and punished 
through their own mistakes uh, and, 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 and poor forward planning and, and irresponsible spending. But once they've got into trouble, it looks like they've done everything right to get out of it. They've sold some of their best players. You know, they've operated far more cautiously in the transfer market. They've slashed the wage bill. It, it's still too high, but they've got rid of. They've taken every opportunity they can to get rid of some of you know a lot of earners. You know, they're building a new stadium to try and create better revenues to put them in a stronger financial position. And one of the things I'm really interested with the second charge is: is it a technical charge because they've breached the rules again? But actually, there was just no leeway. The damage was done in the earlier two years that have already been dealt with was so bad that Everton were actually never going to be able to get out of it, in which case you kind of there's a double jeopardy. And it's like, well, what could Everton, what else could Everton do? And therefore punishing them twice severely would feel hard done by. Or, and there has to be, we have to acknowledge there's a potential for this. Is there a scenario where in the latest set of accounts there's you know, the spending that we don't or losses that we just don't know about and are far less easier to excuse or have they for instance again i think this is a really big issue i'd love to know what the conversations were between the premier league and the club or what the different sides interpretations of wherever and where at that stage was in, in the summer of frank lampard because it's very clear from the last panel although this wasn't under the scope of of, of it of, of the case the premier league still brought it up it's very very clear that the Premier League had a dim view of Evans' transfer business in the summer of Frank Lampard and yeah. the outlay that was spent. Um, and it would be very interesting to know why they hold it so and how severe that could be for their, the you know, the independent <coughs> panel's judgment on you know, Evans' second uh, uh, alleged breach. I'd stay on the uh, appeal and the second charge. We'll just uh, mention another question uh or just comment on on youtube from bobby saying i don't agree with selling bramfrey i'd like to see him for another yeah, year yeah yeah my my feeling is if if one was to go more imminently it feels like more anana i think so yeah. I think I mean, and i think yeah. I think there's a ceiling bigger for bramfrey in terms um, of like price because I, I hate to be you know cynical and you know, and horrible about this because the what I've seen enough of him now for six months, I think most of us agree he's probably going to the very top. Yeah. Do you think there's in terms of price wise, because as good as an armor is, are there fewer players like Bramfrey available? You know, a left sided centre back who <laughs> judging by his performance at left back against Fulham, yeah. if equally is adept on his left foot, even though he's actually right footed, English as well. It it feels like I know financial concerns may bring it forward if someone came in and bid in the next 10 days but it feels like this would be the wrong time to sell for Bramford surely his value is going to go mm. even higher in, mm. the, in the months to come and years to come well, yeah. I mean there's no good time to sell Bramford I mean the ideal scenario I think the dream scenario is that he's leading out a competitive Everton side as captain for the first game in the new stadium that's that's, that's that is what we'd love that'd to be see nice. that'd, that'd be nice to see um, just, just one thing about Anana would he want to go to Newcastle or would he reject on the basis that in terms of the jump what he wants to his next club and he's he's talked about you know moving on and playing better players and stuff, is is Newcastle that big a jump? Isn't yeah. he just go from one club who's got profit sustainability issues <laughs> to another yeah. club who's got profit yeah. and sustainability issues? In in other words, would he only go personally to a, a big six club or a 
top club mm. on the continent. Is Newcastle that big a jump to yeah, justify? It's more like than Everton, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's a separate conversation. But yeah, you know what I mean. It, 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 it forget we were spoken about. The, we felt what the players want here. That, you know, and he might might just want to say, I said, well, actually, the mean music is that. And um, but you know we don't know what we know what goes on behind the scene, don't we? That I can go to a bigger club in the summer, so that's what I may want to stay to that. Again, you, you imagine it'll be how bad Evans' finances are. We'll have yeah. a big say in all that, won't they? So, yeah. but you, they can't force them to move, can they? Can, can they? They don't, can they? If they want to? I'm not sure. I suppose they can't force them to sign a contract. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's an assessment on Feel like a manager after a defeat because I want to stress some positives here. But Gav, you've seen yeah. a lot of good sense of action your day at Everton. Yeah. Uh, again, it's still early days. It's still only six months into his career. But Brand wait, you know, in terms of young prospects coming through, how highly do you rate him? Um, I've not not seen enough of him really. I've only seen obviously his time and COVID. He played in a couple of times. I did like him to when he first played, and. Uh, I uh, I saw Teddy Butcher's debut for Ipswich in 1978, and I likened him to a young Teddy Butcher in terms of his gait, in terms of his overall look and on the pitch and stuff. And um, I, I still go by that. I still think um, I, I don't know about the Teddy Teddy Butcher comparisons. And Teddy was a, a you know a great centre half, played for England, captain England the World Cup semi final. He, he does remind him of him a bit, and he, but he's got a bit bit more pace than uh, Butcher. Um, yeah, he's, he's right up there, isn't he? I mean, the, 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 the obvious comparison is Stones, isn't it? Even though they're two different players, I think. Um, it was quite obvious when Stones was playing, and I think he was probably wasted the centre-half. He was probably a midfielder, wasn't he, really? I don't think he could say that about Brandtwaite. At the same time, I think Brandtwaite is a far more powerful and domineering presence at centre-back than what, what, what Stones is, and that, that's quite obvious now, isn't it? Um, he be Stones is the obvious comparison, and um, but the two I, I look at them as two two different different players. But in terms of being a twenty one, whatever he is, old centre half at Everton, he'd be he'd be up there from from what I've seen. But I've, I've not seen enough. You know, he certainly had plenty of practice playing centre half at Everton, as you would say. So, and it's been good. And and the thing is, I I, I think I said this in the summer. When he came, is there's that stat, isn't it, that the average striker in Holland is a stone lighter than the striker in, in England. And so you used to want more, you know, when you see Dutch strikers and play over there, it's more technical, isn't it? You know, more technical game. What, what I was concerned about was that coming to England, we've noticed that there's a technical striker, but there's a lot more physical strikers, isn't there? How he would, um, would sort of approach that, and he hasn't been found wanting. In fact, he... For, for most of the time, he's appeared stronger than the I mean, centre centre forward he's playing against. How many centre forwards is he left lying on a heap or have just um, just not bothered to to challenge him? Um, I think Antonio at West Ham there. I think he just gave up, didn't he? Uh, and um, yeah, so right at the top, but not seen enough. And other clubs will be wary of that when they start making bids. By the way, uh, he's not played for England, has he? So there's a lot of money to talk about for somebody who's not been. Not play Champions League, not being play for England. So it'd be so Stones had played for England for a couple of years, hadn't he, when he went. Um so it'd be just be interesting to see how that how that plays out. But in answer to the question, oh right near the top, I think. But there's more work to be done there. But he's got a good manager, hasn't he? You know, centre half game inside out. Mm. And that will be uh, you know, that that certainly helps him. Also by the fact that I think Tarkovsky is good for him. And I think also as well, as you said. I think him and Michalenko yep. bounce off each other. And I throw into the Mitch McNeil there. Mm. I think it's a good 
it's a good strong left side we've got when yeah. McNeil play. That's why we miss when McNeil plays. Don't be missing as much from the defensive side of it than the attacking side of it. You have like three. You've got three players on the left hand side of the team who all gel and are all good. One or that's enormous, enormous benefit, and we've we've had that. And I think Brand made benefits from that as well. Absolutely. We've got a couple more questions uh, to get through Fremo, but we'll just, I'll read two out there because they're kind of like on the similar subject. Uh, D. Hagen on Facebook has asked, does anyone understand yet where this second FFP charge has come from? I know you kind of touched on it, but that's the first question. And then Peter Collins on YouTube has said, with the second breach of PSR and a rumoured third breach, you know, obviously Everton could again be impacted next season. Uh, Peter's asking, could this impact our appeal regarding the original breach or are they separate entities? Well, the appeal comes first, and I think it's fair to say that, certainly from a club perspective, that the appeal will define the will play a defining role in the, the second delegation in the way that's handled. The reason being that the club think that there is there is still elements of how things are calculated that are up for grabs uh, and in dispute. So obviously when they go to the appeal, which you know, I think is, is going to be very soon. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Um, I think we'll hear, you know, get verdict on. I'd be surprised if we don't get one in February. Um, you know, Evan going in there arguing that they're innocent. Right? They've accepted that there's a breach. Uh, the, the question really for the for the appeal is a little bit of a calculations and uh, you know how certain things were worked out so to define the extent of the breach and, and then also the main thing is to mitigate the circumstances that's their their argument is going into that saying the original panel didn't take into enough account the mitigating circumstances and therefore the punishment was too harsh talk about things like covid and russian invasion of ukraine and things like that that the club are saying you know these are unforeseen circumstances that have hit us in a way that you know couldn't have been anticipated and we couldn't necessarily have of 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 mitigated for so obviously depending on if if this new appeal if the panel in the in the appeal show some leeway on that then i think that the same issues are going to come up in the second case and if Everton make headway in the first case, their argument, their defence will be far more strong, far stronger in the second one. But where that would leave the second one, I don't know, because I think from you know a club narrative, there's a belief that yeah, they might be able to almost you know, severe, they might be able to severely, if they, they might be able to get enough success in the appeal to severely undermine the allegation against them in the second one. Because their position is that although they've confirmed that they're in breach of, uh, for a second time to the Premier League, it's not an admission of guilt because they dispute some of the way the figures are worked out. And I think their position is if they can win the battle over how some of these things are worked out, they've already lost that battle the first time now, but if they can win it in the appeal, then there'll be different calculations for the second breach and therefore the breach might not be as bad or maybe not be. But the reality is we don't know the numbers. We don't know what's in the 22, 23 no. accounts. So we... we like I say, when we look at, I think there's a degree of surprise over the fact that Evan were deemed to be in breach again. I was surprised. I've I, been writing since the first, since the point seduction, that there's a chance of this because when you look at the case notes, the, the Premier League 
go out of their way to say that to be critical of Evans spending in, under Frank Lampard, which wasn't under the scope of the first case, but is under the case of the second one. Now, they ain't going to be making that argument if they don't, you know, if there isn't some weight behind it, some conversations or some fear over, over the numbers. So there's always a possibility. But even then, when you look at the business has done, obviously the likes of Ant, uh, Anthony Gordon being sold and the wages that went off the bill and the way in which the, the incomings are booked and the way in which the outgoings are booked, still a little bit surprised to see them see them breach. But again, we just don't, we can't say, look, we've been said a lot last year, uh, you know, as, as, as a lot of the fan base did, that it's clearly a club that hasn't been run particularly well. So all of a sudden they can't go making promises that there aren't things in the next set of accounts that aren't going to, make us recoil when it finally comes out and perhaps weaken the club's case and strengthen and give us a greater understanding as to why the Premier League have charged for a second time. But like I said earlier, again, there's that also that 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 big unknown, which we don't really know how the Premier League are interpreting. The, the idea of being able to breach consecutive years is a slightly strange one because you'd think that they might be able to put a cap on it and then go, well, we're not going to punish you twice for the same thing. So it's if the second breach was unavoidable because of the extent of the first breach and they've already been punished for that first breach severely, which we know they have, then you start to ask questions about the second yeah. prosecution. But, but it's an unknown. We don't, we don't know, we Jamie. Don't know. Like, what, what, what we do know, <coughs> worth pointing out here, and this will, I would imagine, come out when the judgment's in the, in the second, uh, second commission, is this not the second time we breached? It's the third time we breached because we breached in 2021, and the Premier League let us off, and that that was in that was in the commission, and we were effectively given a suspended sentence. And I, I've said all along here, I think the August 21 agreement between the Premier League and Everton is key to all this because we were let off, and we were told, but what you can't do is breach in 21, 22, or 22, 23, and it would appear to be breached in two, and so both those years and the commission will, will certainly the last commission didn't look on that in a great uh, great light and a future commission would would, uh, would, would do the same just to, that's the worry isn't it yeah, yeah. they get off the first time the second one gets dealt with more harshly because of it and then when you look at what the Premier League's and it's only the Premier League's yeah. opinion not we don't you know an independent one yet when you look at what the Premier League was saying about the summer of 23 spending it's exactly warned we let you off. You were warned. We punish you. You were warned. You carried on doing the same thing. There yeah. is a potential that that is part of the equation. It's like it's like being given a suspended sentence in a court. Something I must point out. I've never been uh, given. You know, and then you go out and commit two two other offences shortly after, isn't it? Really, you're not going to be looked at in a, in a, in a great light. And, and I think that that's that's something that we need to bear in mind. Do you think I am surprised? To be honest with you, yeah. uh, well, and I've said, I've said before on the podcast and said that last Monday. But, and the reason being is, and I don't want to again bore everybody on this. You know, it's like a three-year rolling thing. But you know that 120 million losses that the Premier League said we had. Well, eight, about 80 million of those was in 2018-19. So that's disappeared from the the books now. So for us to have effectively breached again, we should be probably made losses after all the adjustments and stuff like that of £80 million pound again last year. And I can't really see, you know, when you see the, 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 you know, the movement we've done in terms of the player sales, where, where that's come from. I think one of the things that will, there's a couple of things I've played into it is we haven't got the USM money. Mm -hmm. You know, contrary to popular belief, the USM money was always counted in the last commission, that the USM money is gone. We've probably got, we're probably, as we've just said at the start of the podcast, loaned up to the hilt. So we're probably playing a lot more in interest rates. There's obviously, you know, we've had to pay 
Um, I've lost track of managed. That was Lampard. We paid off last last year, and also as well as as, as several people have pointed out, is the directors left in June, and uh, there was a settlement there as we, we we spoke about. I think before we we came on, uh, and and so there's there's bits there, but it's a hell of a lot of money. It's, it's it must be a hell of a lot of money that we, is still in there that we don't know about, and I, I, that that's the that's the concern for me, and I think. The, the, the uh, underpinning that is the the commission's point that the twenty, the club knew that to a degree. They knew the USM funding was gone, but they still went out and spent eighty million pounds on players in 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 the summer of twenty two, and that's gonna that's gonna be a thing in the, that the commission will point at, which you've already hinted at, hasn't he, in the in the previous uh, you know in the previous hearing. So I was surprised, but um, we just. We don't we just don't know, do we? Till till it comes out. But all this doesn't help, does it? We're talking about a business trying to mm-hmm. operate effectively. It's not helping us to operate effectively, and not necessarily all of it's down to our down to us. Some of us, some of it is around the governance of this this issue, isn't it? Really. Yeah. So all the problems Everton have got, and we've we've listed quite a few today. Obviously, yeah. at the top of the not to do list, or is it almost like a domino effect? It's the appeal, isn't it, Joe? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I've had Lisa Billington on Facebook. Pretty straightforward question: When will we hear against the appeal? When will we hear the appeal? Yeah, well, Richard Master said shooting. it was going to be the appeal was going to be heard shortly when he appeared before the select committee last week, and it's clearly um, well, one ever made clear they're going to appeal from the minute that the the the, the, uh, the punishment became clear, and that was obviously November, so that was two months ago now that we're looking at. So they've had a lot of time to prepare for something that they knew was coming, and the Premier League would have been alive to the fact that the new Profit and um, sustainability framework time frame was going to be a factor this season where you know, the accounts were in by the end of last year and then going to be assessed in the first fortnight with the intention that any breached or alleged breaches would be dealt with before the end of the season. So you would think that it would be happening as soon as possible. I, I think it's going to happen you know, probably this month. Um, I don't know at what point a verdict's made. I don't know if a panel comes away from the hearing and then takes a little bit of time to deliberate, which sometimes happens. And but I, I, you know, I, I think the, I think there's a belief within the club that they'll know the situation by the end of February. And I think, to be honest, I think, I think internally the decisions will have been made and verdicts would have been reached, you know, within in the next week or two, and we'll probably find out in February at some point. Mm-hmm. For not just or within the next few weeks, sorry. Yeah. yeah. For not just Everton's sake, really, for the integrity of the Premier League, this needs to get sorted, doesn't it, Gav? You know, you were talking earlier about the effect it could have had on Everton's transfer business, but we've got to remember there's five or six clubs down there who who are probably waiting to see if Everton get any points back, and then obviously if Everton do get points back, they may look at Nottingham Forest and think, well, that, again, we don't know their figures, but potentially their punishment won't be as harsh as Everton's first time round. It just needs to get sorted, this does Well, my learner's friends pointed this out very early on the process, that the, the club's effect this at the bottom of the table that you know their January plans are affected aren't they a lot and um probably affected even more now not just because of our Evan but because of Nottingham Nottingham mm-hmm. Forest as well isn't it Evan were not on the uh, sorry Forest weren't on the agenda at the start of January really yeah and um yeah the whole thing needs to be sorted as soon as possible um at this this twice in a season thing just hasn't hasn't worked has it really um in some way it may be in retrospect better idea was just to if they're going to do it twice in the season it's just to roll the whole thing up into four years and just do the whole yeah and just do the whole yeah. thing at once to be honest with you yeah. so we get done when we get done it's probably wrong we get considered over like a rather than three-year cycle all the clubs get considered over a four-year cycle 
so that would remove the, the double jeopardy and all mm. that type of stuff. You just get you know you just get judged on 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 the four years, and and, and one 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 hearing may have been a better idea, um, but clubs didn't. It's this in the clubs case. People talk. I said this last week. These rules are voted for by the clubs. This this second you know second set of uh, accounts that was the club sponsored that because they didn't want. Like it's happened with us this season, being judged for something that happened 18, 18 months, two years before. So it's clubs, are, um, you know, it's in their gift. But the one thing is, and this is goes back to original rules and the sustainability rules in two thousand and thirteen, is the rules that look okay on paper. It's the application of the rules that hasn't worked. Has no, but there was no. They obviously didn't foresee somebody breaching it in consecutive years but as you said joe is if you're breaching them one year the chances are you're going to breach again and um they just never thought that thought that through and i think um it, it, it though people have moaned about the rules and quite rightly and i commented on them it's the application i don't really get that it's the application of the rules that hasn't hasn't worked for me and um they could have done more to uh, to make that uh clearer and fairer and I don't think that's been that's been the case. So you have got this double jeopardy stuff going on, which I don't think this muddies even even the muddiest of horses have been muddied even further by that, haven't they? Definitely. Just uh, one final question because we're, we're coming up to things at the fifty-five minute mark of the podcast, and a lot of people watching, a lot of people's questions. Hopefully, we've got through them all. Just because I said we'd mention it, it's a question for both of you. Arnav Danjuma, you said that's going to be probably the hot topic of the last mm. ten days of the transfer window. I've got to be honest. I thought it spoke volumes that. He didn't start against Palace. They didn't come on. Dobbin came on before him, even though Dobbin did well. Do you think, Joe, even maybe before Saturday, we may have seen the last of Arna and Juma? And to you, Gav, are you okay with that? Or, you know, would you prefer to stay? Everton have the final say. So, Everton, you know, Everton, in terms of their loan deal with, with Villarreal, they, you know, they, they do hold the cards here. And, yeah, they publicly, they want to keep him. Obviously, I don't know. wants to play football as much as he can. And my understanding is that he's, he's happy. He'd, he'd like to stay if he can get the minutes that he thinks he deserves. Um, but obviously, he's worried that he's not going to get them. And that you know, worry is he's got good evidence for that because he hardly played in the first part of the season. So, really, I think you've got a scenario there where there's a player that wants to be shown that he's wanted. And with that being the case, I mean, you also have a scenario where Everton can't afford to lose him, really. Like, yeah. I mean, they just don't, they just don't have a big enough squad to be able to, you know, especially if, I mean, it fits in with the, the, the Corey thing. If the Corey was to go, if there was to be a scenario that unfolded where Everton couldn't keep hold of him, well, then the most obvious solution is to perhaps move Harrison inside, in which case the only other senior winger at the club or senior player at the club who can, has a history of playing on the wing is, is, is Dan Juma. So... Um, but clearly there's a, um, a disconnect between the position of the club and Deitch's actions, I think it's fair to say, because you know, how easy would it have been to start Dan Juma against Palace in the replay? I don't really understand the decision. There may be good reason for it. Look, I mean, you know, Deitch has got a big A on his report card at the minute for the last 12 months. I don't think any manager could have done as well as he could have done in the circumstances yeah. that he's had with Evans. So I'm not going to sit here and you know, put a black mark against his name. But, I mean, Danjuma started two games in a row. He played well against Crystal Palace in the first game. Mm. In case Aston Villa, who did all right. You know, he, Aston Villa's offside trap is, is famed across Europe at the minute, and he sprung it. Yeah. You know, he, you know, he, he beat the offside trap to play in Dominic Calvert-Lewin. It's not his fault that Calvert-Lewin then missed. You know, could have had an assist against one of the best defences in, in mm. world football at the moment there. 
and his replacement is a lad who, thankfully, Manil. The, I don't think can, I don't think I don't think there is much argument from Dan Juma that Manil Harris have been starting in front of him because the results have been obvious and their roles in that have been obvious. But obviously, Manil just come off a stretcher ten days earlier and didn't look hundred percent fit. And as a player that you know, given his value for him, and you want to protect and make sure he gets back to full fitness. It would have been such an easy decision, I think, and a show a statement of intent to perhaps reassure the player in his camp that he had a there was a Everton believed he was of value to him by just starting him in that game. The fact they didn't and didn't even bring him on, you know, that that just perhaps suggests to me that this is a scenario that hasn't played out to its fullest yet. Obviously, we know Leon are circling, we know there are opportunities for him elsewhere. Um, what it probably falls on Everton to do is either line up a replacement for him and do that deal first. Um, if they don't, I think it's in the club's interest to keep hold of him. But if they keep hold of him but beyond the transfer window, but not play him when there are obvious opportunities to, I don't know how that situation continues. And obviously... Yeah, we have had evidence of this backfire on Everton already this season with Damari Gray, where it was clear that come the end of the summer transfer window, there was a belief that he could be reintegrated into a squad, which he hadn't been much of a part of over the summer. Then they sold Alex Awobi. Then the public words were there was a place for Gray. And he responded to that by taking the social media and a couple of days later, he's off to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Final word, Gav. On Dan Juma? Yeah. Um, the, the police officer to court, isn't it? Which is, you know, we sell him on a business decision. Dan Juma's all football, isn't it, really? There's not, no business with Dan Juma in terms of the, the impact on the club financially. Yeah, he's, he's a he's a, he's a bum on a seat or a, on, 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 the pit, on the subs bench or he's on, on the pitch. So I, I, I keep him. I, I was surprised he didn't play against Palace because I was surprised to see McNeil on the pitch, yeah, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all over the Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, you know, I don't think he, <laughs> when he's on, on goal or he's got a chance, I don't think like looking up to see if there's a teammate in his best position as part of his um, psyche. But and I think I think he's been okay and uh, I, he'd be well worth keeping because I don't, seven days from the end of the transfer window, I'm not sure, eight days, whatever it is, is there's many other options out there. And yeah, I think Joe's right. There's, there's a bit of a, you know, grey area with, with, Dice and Dan Jamer, isn't it really? I, I think sometimes uh, I'm not sure on Dice's decision making, and I certainly think was, 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 did he play him against Fulham in the uh, in the in Cup? Him on, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, brought him on in the Carabao Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was a game, one-off game at home. Yeah. You know, you've got to win, haven't you? Really, you know. I was surprised he didn't use him. I don't think I said that at the time. Yeah, I'd, I'd keep him. I'd be disappointed to see him go. Um, to be fair, because this is a football decision, not a business decision, and it just leaves us a, a problem, um, doesn't it, that we may not have time to, to resolve. Definitely. 
Well, Joe, Gav, thank you very much for, for joining us on today's podcast. Thanks for everyone who's been watching live on YouTube and Facebook and obviously will listen uh, on, on the podcast once it's uploaded and once you've, you've heard it. Gratefully appreciated you listening and watching today. The guys will be back later this week as we look ahead to that FA Cup game with Luton Town. Who knows? We'll, I'm sure we'll be up to date with any off-the-field developments, including the uh, the future of Arnaud Danjuma. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.